I had a fun interaction when I was buying my whiskey for tonight at <laughs> yes. the um at the package store. This guy in front of me, there were only two people there, and he's of course goes up to the plexiglass that they've set up. Yeah. Um, and he says, "You know, your prices are like fifteen or twenty percent higher than the ABC store." Yeah, you know, did you know that? Oh, God. And I know why, like... Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you've got to buy secondhand if you're doing that. They have to buy from ABC, so if they're going to make... You should have Rick Harrison them. You should have been like, hey, now look here. I didn't have to because the guy... Oh, and this guy has owned a package store for a long time. Yeah. I know him pretty decently well at this point. Um, And he says... Oh yeah, that's because the ABC board ties our hands, ties our whole fucking hands, and we have to pay fifteen to twenty percent on all of the stuff we buy because the ABC makes us pay that tax. Because this place is a ass backward state. <laughs> he just fucking went off. Is what you're saying? He showed restraint, as I found after the dude had left, because apparently that guy was another regular, and he just brought it up today with that asshole insinuation, and he's like. Can you believe this fucking guy? <laughs> he said, those were the words that he said to me. And he says, do you know, do you know what this guy does? Do you know what this guy, that guy does for a living? He cremates dogs. <laughs> <laughs> he cremates dogs. Oh, your dog died. Here, just give him to me. I'll give him back. To, and here, here's his ashes. I'll give him back to you. And it's like, this fucking guy doesn't know what the fuck I go through all day. I'm risking my life to do this. Because I live paycheck to paycheck. And this motherfucker comes in with his crumbly dog ash hands. He's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I, do, do dog cremators get robbed? Because I, I get robbed. Did you please, please afterwards <laughs> tell me if you were like, yeah, man, I understand. That guy's a real asshole. Can I get like a 10% discount for being cool? <laughs> No, 15 to 20% discount, discount for being, for being cool. cool. <laughs> it's just that you should jack your prices up 15, 20% more for him. Yeah. He's like, we're running a special sale. It's, it's I have a very, I have an important job. I cremate dogs. <laughs> I burn dogs for a living. <laughs> Fucking burn dogs. That sounds like the kind of man who would burn dogs for a living. If somebody was like, hey, look here, fuckers. Oh, I forgot. He's like, do you know how much they pay? He gets $500 a dog. <laughs> That's the moment where I think I would have to ask more questions. Like, okay. How much, like, like how much size does the size of the dog matter? Like, does the breed, does the fur amount affect? How did you get in this line of work? And do you need an apprentice? No, no, no. That's that's the question I don't want to ask because, like, that's when he responds back. I started as an amateur and just worked my way to becoming a pro eventually. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oopsie poopsie. <laughs> I've talked to the wrong man. I started my own business. I built my first crematorium when I was 12. <laughs> back then, I had to work with live dogs. I had to cremate my own dogs. I'm what they call a sociopath in the the psychiatric field. (laughs) They used to call me Little Dahmer. Yeah. (laughs) Little 
Lil Dahmer. I wish this wasn't a Southern mythology episode because Lil Dahmer is definitely it. Oh, there's a good there's a good place on our show for Lil Dahmer. This is the longest fucking cold open of all time, but I don't care. People need to hear about Lil Dahmer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time, it's time, it's time for a load. And I'm talking about a load, a load of BS. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a load of BS, the greatest show on the planet featuring the two best damn men of all time. And I'm talking about he, Lil Dahmer himself, the B to the L-A-K-E, it's Blake Tanner. You know, uh... I used to eat the dogs before I cremated them. Is that what Dahmer sounded like? I've not listened to a lot of serial killer talk. Was he that calm and casual? Was he Fargoing it the fuck up? Yeah. Um, I hear you over there doing research. <laughs> like, let me let me look up. What did Dahmer sound like? No, there's a quote that he says, and I wanted to get it. Oh yeah, yeah. In one of his interviews, um, after he was arrested. He was telling, like, his story about all of his murders, and then he just casually drops, you know, and that's when the cannibalism started. (laughs) No big deal, eating them dogs and humans and whatnot. Yeah, I was never one of those people to just study... I'm Scotty Moore, by the way. I was not one of those... Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, I'm the B. Blake Tanner. He's S. Scotty Moore. Scotty, uh, the... Not many serial killers I could think of with the name Scotty. Yeah, no, we're infamous for not, we're stray away from serial killing. Like, Scott, that's a serial killer name, but Scotty, ain't no serial killer named Scotty. We're more, we're into more, like, white-collar crime. You know, we'll embezzle the fuck out of you, but we wouldn't eat you. We're not those kind of people. But yeah, I don't think, I was never one of those people to just study serial killers. And I know the, like, I've been friends with those people who are like, man, let me tell you, have you ever heard about John Wayne Gacy? I'm like, I have, and I heard enough. I'm good. I'll hear about this clown. I can't believe that we've never fallen into this conversation because I might never stop if we start talking about it. About, are you a serial killer boy? Uh, on and off, like, I just find their stories fascinating. Like, what the fuck drives a person to do that shit? (laughs) Meanwhile, on my end, I'm like, dinosaurs are cool, right? You know, dinosaurs ate each other. Oh, so... And that was when the dinobalism started. (laughs) So I am, uh... I'm better in quarantine now because I finally bought Animal Crossing for the Switch. So I'm not, it's not that I'm well, it's just that I'm distracted at this point. Um, I am playing Persona 5 Royal still. Yeah. Um, this is not quite been two weeks yet, but I have put 140 of my waking hours into it in the last <laughs> week and a half. I need to look, I don't know how much Animal Crossing I've played, but it's been a fair bit. Um, to a point where I will say the phrase out loud, Okay, I've done everything I can do for today. I need to go to sleep so tomorrow I can wake up and I'll have a new villager and everything will be upgraded. I'll think that and then keep playing for like a solid fucking hour. Like, let's just go to another island. It's okay. Let me move over here real quick. Man, if you liked anime more, you could play a Persona game forever. Those things are supposed to take a month to beat. I did it in less than two weeks. 
Jesus Christ. I spent almost six days playing that game. Yeah, yeah. Six days. Straight. Not doing anything else. I was supposed to work from home, and I didn't. I, I, I wait for people to call me, and I go into the office once a week. Funny thing, I found out that all the work that I used to do in a week, I can do in a day at the office. Yeah. And everything else is just waiting for people to call me. I almost called you last, no, two nights ago, because we got on the old PJ app, and it was down, and it wasn't allowing me to order pizza, and I was this close to being like, Blake, fix it! Get on the fucking horn right now and fix this app! Oh, I don't fuck with that app. They don't trust me with that. <laughs> That's a company thing. I'm yeah, just yeah. a humble franchisee. Mm-hmm. Just like Shaq. So how is uh, how has your end of quarantine been going other than nothing but persona? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I forgot to mention. Also, I did buy uh, a Yu-Gi-Oh game. So I am back on my Yu-Gi-Oh shit real hard right now. Ask me about fucking red eyes. I can destroy you in an instant. I can't. Um well, my fun my fun joke baby laugh got cut short. So um, you know, it's been almost a month now, uh, yeah. and man, the first couple weeks were like heaven on earth, bliss incarnate. I didn't have to think about how terrible everything was outside because I did just get to sit home and watch Star Trek. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was having legitimately mental breakdowns, and now I'm cool. I think we've swapped is what's happened. Yeah, because my roommate left. Like Michael's gone now, man. He had he went up to spend time with his mom. And Okay. I thought you meant Michael just got upset with you one day and was like, I'm out. I'm done. Fuck this. Uh I mean that may have happened, but he would not tell me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know Michael. He is that kind of man. Yeah, his mom actually got sick. It wasn't uh COVID, but he she uh needed help. So once he was sure that he wasn't uh, infectious, and we had quarantined ourselves. He went up there, so so you're just straight. You're straight up alone. <laughs> you're just a. <laughs> you can go to like a a park and go walk. You can go do that. Nah, I'm, I'm, fuck you. I got persona here, baby. I I did get uh yeah. The I got persona the same day, the day before he left. Yeah. And so that's all I've been doing. Um, or, no, I got it. He came back to visit that day. He'd been gone for a couple days. But yeah, I've, I've just been doing that. I've fallen into my video game world because there's nothing else. I've, I have fallen into pure escapism, which is what we're going to make you fall into tonight, dear listener. <laughs> Listen here, listen closely. Um, yeah, no, I've I'm kind of falling into full escapism too. Mine's Animal Crossing style. I have found. How is your time? Like your internal clock going? Because mine's fucked to all hell, Blake Tanner. Oh yeah, mine's real bad. Because um, the other. I... Go oh, on. sorry, but real quick, I started like trying to keep to my normal work sleep schedule so I wouldn't fuck it up. That lasted all of a day. I um, stayed up all day Saturday night into Sunday, only taking like a two, well, maybe one and a half, two hour nap thinking, 
oh, I'll reset because my clock had been fucked for weeks. So I was like, I'll reset it. So I tried to reset it. Took a one and a half hour nap. And then it was 3 a.m. in the morning and I still wasn't sleepy. So then I went, I got a little high, took three melatonin and woke up at six o'clock the next day. I slept for 14 fucking hours. And here's how I know my sleep or my internal clock got fucked is I also do the hit show me again, which is a daily diary. And on each like little segment, I talk about something that's awesome that day. And last week I had Bojangles for the first time. So I was like, oh, Bojangles was awesome. And three days later, I was like, I know I talked about Bojangles a few weeks ago, but y'all, I need to bring it to the table again. So imagine me editing it going, oh no, oh no, these people are going to think I'm a Bojangles addict. I love that editing mode Scotty is different from, like, me again Scotty. Because it's like, this is just like, I'm going to lay me out on the table, then you're in editing, it's like, okay, it's work mode now. What is this fucker saying? <laughs> Who is this psychopath I'm listening to? Uh, but yeah, that's that's happened. And then also there have been numerous occasions. Because as as I've stated multiple times, I have very bad wanderlust. I like going places. There have been multiple times where I've been driving from like the office back home, just staring at the window going, I got friends in Atlanta. I can just drive out there and chill with them for an hour or two. I could just drive up to Birmingham and live with Blake for a week. I could do this. Why don't I just go do that? Like, my mind is trying to rationale going places. It's so bad. I mean, you could. I just don't think Michael would let you sleep on his bed. No, no, no. I wouldn't sleep. I'm afraid of his room at this point. I'm afraid I'd walk in and, like, there's a dog furnace and shit like that. I'm like, he's... That boy got secrets, and I don't know what they are, and I don't want to find out. My, it's actually my dog furnace. I built it under his bed. I just put it in. Wait, that's a very flat dog furnace. You can only fit a tiny one in there. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Not if you cut them up right. Yeah, fun fun thing. When they burn, they don't have to be in one piece. <laughs> Damn it! Hey, everybody, this isn't who we are. <laughs> Please don't. This is four weeks of quarantine before we were like, hey. Let's well you know what some good comedy content is burning dog. I think it's because I'm jealous. Because last night of we what? People <laughs> dog with burning? dogs. People who have dogs right now. Oh, okay. I was like, you gotta set up some other pins before you try to bowl that one down, Kimasabi. Right... Give it me a second. Because <laughs> like Last night we had a uh, a read through of one of the shows that I was in that got cut short because of the quarantine, and like everybody had a dog and they were showing it on the Zoom meeting, and it's like, look at my dog, look at my dog. Do you know what I did? You know what the fuck I did? Hold on. Please tell me you showed them. Was I got my dog out. So Blake, Purely visual gag. It's a very g- hey Blake. You and he's d- dead. I hope Blake remembers that we don't. Hey, Blake, you remember we don't do this show on video anymore, right? It is pure. It's purely an audio medium. He's dead. But the people don't know that you are showing a, a flat cardboard cutout. All it sounds like is that you went to your closet and pulled out a dead dog carcass and brought it over. 
Why do you think I built the incinerator? <laughs> I wish that my dog was here because she's at my parents' house. We can't keep doing this. So let's drink whiskey and try to ignore it because Blake Tanner, it's the most wonderful time of the month. It's Southern Mythology Month, baby! Hey, can I get one more in, though? No, we can't keep talking about dogs. Smoky dog. Mm, Yeah, I'm getting some (laughs) smoky dog from this whiskey. Mm, I'm getting a little bit of wet dog fur off this one. Yeah, this is the uh, episode of the month where me and Blake uh, made an excuse to drink whiskey. And make up stories about it. And I have brought to... Or is it is it your month or is it is it your week or is it mine? I think it's mine. I can't remember. What was... I can't believe this is only the fourth one we've done, right? It's only the fourth one. You know what? I'll take it. Number one, uh, my room is really cold and I don't know why. And that means my whiskey is cold and I hate that. I, I enjoy a room temperature, temperature whiskey. But I have brought to the table... Four Roses Small Batch Bourbon, which of course means that only like a few select barrels have been mixed together to bring this goodness to me. And I did some research on Four Roses trying to get some interesting stories. There's not that much. Like, there's not that much interesting about Four Roses. Um, I mean, it's good flowers. There's four of them. I did find the story behind the Four Roses, by the way. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please tell me. So you know how distilleries come up with dumb bullshit that they can use to market? Is this just dumb bullshit? It might be true, but it sounds dumb as shit. This, I found this off of the website. Keep in mind, I was trying to make notes, and the first note I had was just about how, like... It was like five different yeast strains, two different mash bills. That's how they make it. They got ten barrels, two different mash bills per barrel, five different yeast strains. Isn't that fun and entertaining for you at home? But then I found this. It began when Paul Jones Jr., the founder of Four Roses Bourbon, became smitten by the beauty of a southern belle. It is said that he sent a proposal to her, and she replied that if her answer were yes, or in, yes, she replied that if her answer were yes, she would wear a corsage of roses on her gown to the upcoming Grand Ball. Paul Jones waited for her answer excitedly on that night of the Grand Ball. When she arrived in her beautiful gown, she wore a corsage of four red roses. He later named his bourbon Four Roses as a symbol of his devout passion for the lovely Belle, a passion who, by the way, I guess gets no fucking name in this. Yep. This is why I like uh, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery, is they were full-on like, hey, look, our founder was badass, but we need to talk about this bitch right here, because she kept it going, baby. Yep. They did start off by like, oh, the founder's dad, you remember that bit where he just like lined his coat with gold and drowned? (laughs) Yeah. Because it was so heavy. Uh, he later named his bourbon Four Roses as uh, as a symbol of his devout passion, a passion he therefore transferred to making his beloved Four Roses bourbon. It was the top-selling bourbon in America from the 30s to the 50s, and then they discontinued it, because fuck it, right? Oh, you know, if you take the f- original Four Roses story, like him meeting that Southern Belle, you add, like, a tragic death into it. You got a 13 Alabama Ghosts and Jeffrey story. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was discontinued in the 50s, and it was moved to the European and Asian markets, where it still flourishes to this day. 
uh, Jim Rutledge back in the 80s, 90s, and I think 2000s worked tirelessly to bring it back to the States, and it was bought by Kirin Distillery Company. You know that Japanese beer, Kirin? Yeah. Same fucking company owns Four Roses in America, and that's how they brought it to the table, was apparently just buying it, and then these awesome people were like, let's try to bring this back to the States. And that's the story of Four Roses. Like I said, I know the story behind the whiskey you've brought, so you have to understand how shy I feel right now of like, I guess this is all right. (laughs) This is a pretty good story, I guess. Well, I guess that means that we should lead into our story. And I wonder... I know it's called Southern Mythology, but we do do a lot of, like, Southern-based stories, don't we? We do do a lot of Southern-based... Well, I mean, yeah, because it's called Southern Mythology, that's why. Because once we get around to doing, like, Irish mythology and spending $5,000 a month on good Irish whiskey, we're gonna have to set everything in Ireland. Um, I'm real down with this, because I know a bit about Irish mythology. Yeah. I might bring in my my uh, my brother from another mother, Landon, who's an um, expert in Irish mythology, to get us in. Oh, that's good. All right, but so we got so we've got to come up with something, something with four roses um, at the at the pendulum. What what's it smell like? I'm get. Uh, here's the thing. I haven't drank whiskey like legit in so long. I've been trying to like get back in it over these next like last week, just so I could get better notes. I'm back where I was when I started, which is just, like, there's cherry and vanilla, a little bit of oak. The problem is I also did put hand lotion on before this, so I am getting a little bit of lotion. Oops. It's just really, like, if I had to give somebody, like, a quintessential bourbon and all of, like, the traditional flavor. This one ain't playing outside of its field too much, is what I'm saying. You're getting the oakiness, you're getting, like, that that sweet corn note, you're getting all of the traditional stuff you would expect out of a bourbon. It is a very basic bitch. So what you're saying is this is like that story, except the main character, who's this guy that was smitten with that southern bell, is the plainest motherfucker. Okay. He's the... I was going to do something, and I, I don't want to go down the, um, the, the, uh, um, like, cowboy route, but I do like this idea of a four, a group of four people, and they were called the Four, the four Roses. Rose. Yeah. I, I was also thinking, like, there's got to be four roses in it. I really would like them to be, like, a gang of women who kissing Kate Barlow styled their way across the South. Okay. Did we already come up with something similar to this where it was like we four We did, w- where she was stealing from the rich and giving to the poor and her brother was chasing her with fuck. What if it is... The shitty thing is, like, we didn't have princes. Because I love this idea of almost like a... Uh, an Emperor's New Groove, I have brought you four brides, and it's a man trying to pick his bride from these four women, but the twist ending is the fact that it was actually, like, not his handmaid, but, like, one of his assistants that he falls in love with. We didn't have princes, but we did have, like, southern royalty, essentially. Like, think about Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could... 
oh man, I'm gonna have to read Pride and Prejudice, but I do love this idea of people reading through this and reading these grisly stories of cowboys and shit, and then one is just like, Mr. Darcy came over earlier today. I want to draw inspiration, though, from a different writer, and it is, of course, the writer of The Glass Menagerie, man whose name I've forgotten, and it's gonna be a a story of, like, oh, wait, could we flip it on its head? Woman has four gentleman callers come by. Okay. But then there's also a neighbor, and the neighbor is who she falls in love with the whole time. Maybe the neighbor is, like, that friend. I don't, I kind of feel like, because they either know each other really well at the beginning, or they get to know each other through the story. Yeah, I think it would be get to know each other, because then it's a bigger surprise at the end when she's like... I think I want him. I think that I I do like this. By the way, is the fact that we're realizing we're we're, sh- we're revealing we're not one note ponies. We're not all uh, we're not all George Washington fights a Wendigo in the forest. We can be romance boys as well. It's, it's like you're saying that you know because this is like a lot of her. I like the idea that it's a lot of her musings about how terrible most of these men are. Okay, I, yeah, I like that. Oh, oh, it could be a series of diary entries. Yes. Oh, fuck. I love that. Or letters, even. Like, some of them could be diary entries, letters that she sends to family, like Frankenstein. Can we get real progressive with this bullshit and have her be, like, one of the first lesbians? And that's why she doesn't want any of them? Ooh. And she falls into, like, her secret romance. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no! Every- so every- it's a series of four letters- about four gentlemen callers, and with each one, it slowly reveals a little bit about who she's sending them to, and it's her secret lover, who is another woman, and they can never be together because of the situation in America. Oh, I love that. Oh, the last one should be... I'm tired of this. I'm coming to San Francisco. Yeah! (laughs) Fuck yes! Fuck yes! That's the best! I'm coming to San Francisco is the best ending to this. Oh, man. I know there's pro- there's so many songs about it, but I want a song named I'm Coming to San Francisco. And I I know we're not- we haven't been working much with multimedia. I want it to be that. Next page you get is addressed to our main character's parents. And all it is is a picture taped on there of two women hugging and kissing. Oh, I love it. Oh, man, we need to get somebody, we need to get, like, two, uh, like, models or something that we could take to one of those, um, old-timey picture places in Gatlinburg. No! No! Wait, you're saying we hire two women to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee? I don't think it has to be that old. We can just get our friends. Well, yeah, I don't think it has to be that old. I think it just needs to be them in, like, maybe 1930s, 1940s appropriate wear in front of, like, an old-timey building, which we could find in downtown Birmingham, and both of them hugging and smiling for the camera, almost as if we've moved in together. That's true. Uh, yeah, we could do that. Although I really love the idea of them being in these massive bodices where they've ripped them off. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And it's just like they're in uh, pants. This is go- you're you're now going from like empowering to a fetish at this point. You're just like they've ripped their bodices off. 
I think it's a very empowering thing to get rid of something that's very, like, horribly restrictive like I think it was that. the phrasing of ripped bodice <laughs> is what it took, took us down a dark maybe, path. Maybe, yeah, maybe ripped bodice is a little bit too much. They are wearing more progressive clothes for the time. Okay, there we go. That's what I want. Um... <laughs> I think we need to get into what these dates are now. I think we need to figure out who each of the individual men are. What I was going to say each of them needs to be like a young plantation owner's son, and that's why her mom... Firstly, the mom has to be the bad influence this entire time. Yeah, the time. mom is the one that's setting all of this up. Like, she is full-on the mother in... Um, Glass Menagerie. Yeah. It's Tennessee Williams, by the way. You, you didn't you. know that, right? Hey, bud, I didn't. I forgot, I forgot, I blocked out that entire period of college. Um, so, I think one of them does need to be, like, a rich plantation owner's son, and he's very, like, uh, he's, and I think each one of them needs to reveal something about her as well. So, like, the plantation owner's son is very, like, oh, please come in, let us have that, and she's like, no, I don't want that kind of person i'm gritty now miss delilah i want you to supple upon this mint julep delilah rose is the name right delilah rose yeah uh yeah it's that kind of guy who's just like very flowery and very above it all and she's like no i don't want that i i'm gritty i want somebody who works with their hands i want somebody who's willing to earn what they get in life so that's one of them we need to do a bit where each of these callers brings in a rose and she keeps like at wondering why they only bring in a single rose where like the when the mother like it's revealed at the end that the mother always set it up because she thought the rose was her favorite flower Oh, because she... she was always writing about Rose, and her lover's name is Rose. Fuck, that's better. I like that one. I like that one better. Um, no, <laughs> I also love this idea. She sends a single rose petal with each letter that she sends. Oh, and each rose petal's for one of the roses. Like, look at this shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> just like it happened again. Look at this shit. I do like this because I do want to work a little bit more multimedia, like where there's clearly where it's typed out in the letter, but then you could have like an image of the rose petal and then in pen a circle around it leading down to a line that's like, can you believe this shit happened again? <laughs> okay, so oh, we've got the one boy this who's... Is the, I think this is one of the best ones we've done. <laughs> it's a very good one. So we've got Flowery Boy who reveals that she's gritty and she likes someone who works with their hands and somebody who who's uh, willing to work for what they earn. What else do we have? I think one of them needs to be, like, a politician. Okay. Like, someone who's, uh, either, like, a... Maybe, maybe not, like, a, a national rep, but maybe, like, a state representative or a state senator. Running for state senator, and that's all he talks about the whole day. Yep. And it's like, she's like, he's very charismatic. He knows what he wants, and he has the drive to try to achieve it. But he, that's all, it's, he's a one-note pony. That's all he talks about. There's no depth. I was going to go alternate. I was going to say, this is where she reveals how easily she can see through other people's bullshit. Ooh. And he's trying to bullshit his way through this whole date just because he wants a, a woman to take home. One of them, I want to go full misogynist. And is giving her bullshit about, like, no, you can't be wearing this. Why did you come wearing this? And is, like, disgusted with the way she is throughout the whole date. And that's the one that reveals how proud she is to be who she is. That needs to be the last one. That needs to be the signal to get the fuck out. That's gotta be it. 
Yeah, because this one I think it just shows goes to show just how superficial he is. How like maybe the first one that kid is trying to be more of a hopeless romantic where he wants a relationship, but this guy just sees her as a means to an end, like yep. the full on, uh, like predetermined marriage that they want, where he basically treats her as a, a medal or something. Yeah. Treating her like a trophy. Can I, I, I do, I do like the idea of calling her Rose, but alternatively, just to make it a little bit more fun, could it be like an, a, an asexual name where it's just something like uh, uh, Jamie, which could be a girl or a boy. And then at the end, when you flip that final page and it reveals it, then it's the big twist. Oh, I like that too, though. I really like that. Because then she could still be called Delilah Rose. And then that's the reason they're bringing her roses is it's like, it's your name, right? That's that's who you are. Yep. Uh, and we can't steal the uh, this the other short story called The Rose for Emily. Oh, yeah. So we've got... we It is going to be called A Rose for Jamie. Like, whatever the fuck we name this other character. Um, so we've got the politician, we've got the misogynist, we've got the flowery, f- flowery boy. Um, what's our last one? Could it be someone who is equally as uncomfortable as she is? Because I like that dichotomy, because then, like, the letter could almost read, like, I think I liked him. And then at the end, she just realizes, like, that's not that needs to be, like, the third letter. Because then it almost sounds like, oh, this is going to be the one... And then that's what helps her realize... What if the third one is the boy next door? Literally one of her best friends. Yeah. That and she her... has known that, like, has this has been set up where the mother's like, well, he's part of an influential family, you've known each other for so long, it's not... He's not going to bring us as much influence as the other people, but since you like him, he's better than nothing. And then they really, like, you sense a real relationship between them, but it's just not romantic. Yeah, it's a best friendship, 100%. Oh. Yeah, I love that one. That needs to be the third one, because that's the one that helps her realize her sexual identity, who she is on the inside. Because, like, part of that letter needs to be her straight up being like, everything is right. Everything is working. Why do I not feel it like what's not there and that's like this insane revelation to them and then the last letter they've already realized it and then this last garbo date with douche boy pushes them over the edge and they're like i'm coming to san francisco next picture letter to mom bye bitch fuck this is good Uh, this is uh, damn it this one's good this is so good Blake, we gotta we gotta find a way to get this book made, and that's fast. And if we're gonna pay for it, we're gonna have to go to the shill station. A ding, a ding. So Blake Tanner, it's tough times for everybody. It's not that tough for me because I did get a sweet check from the government earlier today. I did too. I also got a five percent raise at work. Hey, but. Say those people at home are looking for something to do with that check, wanting to help out their local artists, which I've almost vomited calling us that. Although after that last segment, I'm like, we could get there. We're close. 
I mean, we're 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 the only people doing stuff. Maybe maybe this is what hits our popularity because nobody else is doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. We're we're gonna hit the dismount and nail it. So, what if they wanted to support us? Where could they go? Patreon.com slash a load of BS. I was uh I was taking a sweet hit on my vape. So uh if you go to patreon.com slash a load of BS, you can become one of our BS moon marines. Get you access to the Discord and um it also gets you access to all of our extra content, the fun shows that we do every month like you paid for this. Where Scotty and I watch a terrible movie, or sometimes a great movie, or sometimes the worst movie I've ever seen. Now keep going. <laughs> you got this, Kimasabi. I believe in you. You can do this. Oh, do you mean? Do, do you mean talk about wrestling history X, where every month for uh, one of our for our wrestling podcast, Fight Boys, each one of the hosts does a fucking thing. Or sometimes when the host doesn't do a thing, or when they're lazy like I am, then Scotty and I just watch a bunch of old wrestling stuff we used to do and talk shit about it. It's real garbage. You guys need to check it out. On Patreon.com slash a load of BS, but I'll be honest, I've been, I've been bit by the, by the shopping bug on this, uh, this quarantine. I have almost bought a portable inflatable hot tub at least five different times during this entire quarantine. Hey, hey, you could send me that link though, right? <laughs> I, I don't have a water hose or way to fill it up. But I'll figure it out. You could do that though, right? <laughs> you could run it from your sink, maybe. And I think I want to give some people out there a little place to get some uh, some shopping therapy done. And that's merch.aloadofpurebs.com. That's the website where you can get merch for all your favorite BS Network shows. But most importantly, a load of BS. We got some comfy-ass shirts. We got some amazing posters. And most importantly, Blake, what else do we got? Oh, oh, look at that inflatable hot We got cups. Okay, I was very worried for a minute there. They're surprisingly cheap, though, am I right? Comparatively, yeah. I was expecting, like, the thousands. Anyways, merch.loadofpurebs is where you can get your cups, your shirts, your posters, and get out a little bit of retail therapy, ladies and gentlemen, and it supports the show. So, what are you waiting for? Get you some merch at merch.loadofpurebs.com. My mom would be so mad if she found out I bought this. Ladies and gentlemen, the following event is scheduled for one clusterfuck and is set to occur in Birmingham, Alabama. Introducing first, he is the bearded man from the Badlands, the absolute Badlands, Scotty Moore! And in the other corner, sporting the modest... Plaid on plaid on plaid, the man with the plaid crown. The plaid is plaid on the plaid. The man who knows nothing about wrestling and everything about plaid. Blake Tanner. I'm sorry, was I supposed to do something there? I thought this was just you two. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, that's Dylan. Hey, and Dylan. Then, <laughs> and we are the Fight Boys, and it's a show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. Make sure to check us out, because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life. So, Blake, I'm sl- I realized something during that last segment that I didn't want to admit until we were out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like for- Four Roses. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Like, I kept taking sips of it, and I'm like, I don't know. Because, like, and the guys from the Whiskey Vault, Daniel, gave me, like, the perfect 
note in what it's I don't like about it earlier because I was watching them to try to research. Have you ever had dark chocolate so dark that the bitterness isn't like this richness? It's just a sharp, stabbing bitter? Yes, I've actually had all like 99% dark chocolate before, which is... Like, it has almost no... <laughs> you're eating a bean, is what you're doing. Almost eating the bean. Like, even the consistency's different. And it just tastes like... You... It's like... This is like... It's chocolate, but without any good. Yeah. That's like, what it's like. Aztec kings ate this? <laughs> yeah, because I've now swapped over to some Angel's Envy. And I'll be honest, it's getting to the bottom... And the bottom is always worse than just, like, the body of it. But it's it's a lot better than Four Roses, I'll tell you that right now. But what have you brought to the table this week? This is actually one of my favorite whiskeys. Yes. Um, because, A, it's just got a really, like, I really love the label. And I love the, the basic story of it. Yeah. Um, and the, I, the things that, or the ideas that it brings up. And it is larceny. Also, it's 92 proof, so it's pretty good. Now... Do you want me to let you know why I think you like Larceny? Yes, because I know that you've had it, and it is not your favorite. I do not like Larceny, much like I also don't like another one of your favorites, uh, Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark. Mm-hmm. Because Maker's Mark and Larceny are both weeded bourbons. Ah, I didn't know that. So basically, oh, oh, the only difference between a weeded bourbon and what's a traditionally normal bourbon is they will take out the rye, which is more of like the spicy barrel notes, like that kind of, that little sharpness, and it replaces it with wheat. So it just becomes a nice smooth boy. It's a real nice smooth thing. Uh, Makers is like it. Everything else I believe this company makes uh, like, uh, they also make Old Fitzgerald whiskey, they make Pappy Van Winkle, which is, like, a golden unicorn for me, uh, and I, I think that's your wheelhouse, bud. I think having weeded bourbon is your wheelhouse. You know what, now that you say that, I did just, I just got a good taste, and yeah, I'm getting, I'm feeling that wheat. Like, it's just a little bit of bread. Yeah! <laughs> Get that little bit of bread in there, baby. Which, of course, like, I fucking love Guinness, so that's that's it. Yeah. Now, I know before this, you while I was running to the bathroom in between segments, you did do a little bit of research on our boy John F. Fitzgerald. Holy shit, it's the fucking best! This is so fucking good. So can I read, like, just a bit on um, how old Fitzgerald was, like, how the brand was yes, created because, and the man himself. Well, because for the longest time, John F. Fitzgerald was known as, like, one of the best fucking distillers of all time. He was legendary. He was one of the greatest whiskey distillers that had ever existed. Until this was revealed. So, uh... Sally Van Winkle, the granddaughter of good old Pappy Van Winkle himself, told this story. That old Johnny Fitzgerald, he wasn't a distiller at all. <laughs> he was a realty guy and a treasury agent who used his keys to, like, warehouses in different properties. Yes, because his keys, like, his specific job 
were the only people during Prohibition that had keys to the Rick houses where they stored whiskey. No one else was allowed in. So what he would do is he would open these places up, go through the barrels, find the ones that he liked, and just take the best whiskey. Fucking legend. He he was and like this is it. He was the idea of a perfect thief. He was a gentleman thief through and through because he used legitimate means to fleece the shit out of people. Yes, because it's not that he just took the whiskey. He then sold the whiskey under the name the Fitzgerald Barrels, and that's why everyone's like, this dude's fucking amazing. No, he's not. He's a thief. Matter of fact, probably his best quality was tasting good whiskey. My favorite thing about this, though, is the fact that while selling whiskey under this name, he managed to sell the company without ever having to reveal where this came from. Oh, yeah, he was able to completely monetize it, and it was not revealed until much later, after he was long gone. This is one of those stories, this is like the, um, and we've told on the show before, the Greenbrier Distillery story, where I'm like, this is too good not to just go in the book but we can't just steal an idea yeah i mean i guess that other than the name we would there there we might run into some old copyright issues but this is one of those stories that's just like maybe maybe it could be another high society story because i love the idea of a person who is ingrained themselves in high southern society at the time like pre like, maybe around po- Prohibition, but I love the time sk- setting of, like, antebellum America. Yes. Um, I've got an idea, and I, I think I want to combine your ideas with a few other ideas. I want it to be set during Prohibition, and I want it to almost be, like, mix Wolf of Wall Street with the producers, which is this little nervous, like, imagine, um, and I know this is not the original role, but Matthew Broderick in The Producers, just this nervous little accountant boy, and he could either discover it on his own, or he could have a Nathan Lane-esque friend with him who's just like, wait, you've got the keys to all of that? And it's like, they invite him over to play poker or some shit one night. And he's like, this is sketchy. And he's like, yeah. And then uh, maybe he loses the keys to the Rick house in the game. and But he loses it to his friend. And his friend's like, no, no, that's what he loses. Is uh, if you lose this hand, you have to open the Rick house for me. And he goes, fine. And then he becomes one of the biggest fucking bootleggers of all time just through that whole story like i love this idea too i really wish i wish we could do like some flashback shit though like going back into that early era where maybe maybe our um mr bloom character has (laughs) uh like maybe he's got very like very famous uh ancestor who is well known for the fact that they were an amazing distiller. And maybe he finds out the secret. And the secret is, this guy just stole whiskey. 
And he did it during, like, in completely different men. Like, maybe he was an old-style bootlegger, whereas this guy is the new bootlegger. I don't know. I don't feel like he needs a backstory, because I love this idea of a guy who is just a little worthless shit becoming too big for his britches and becoming, like, a Jordan Belfort, becoming that big... Because then you get to see the full... It's almost like... A comedy and tragedy mixed into one because, as we've learned through theatrical training, a comedy is a guy who starts very low and ends up very high. A tragedy is a guy who starts up very high and goes very low. First half of it's a comedy. It's a guy who starts from nothing, rises up, and then the latter half is the tragedy where you see him drop back down until it's revealed like, hey, you stole all of this and obviously arrested at the end, right? Yeah. But is he, though? No, no, no. Here's my favorite. And I don't think jail politics were the same back then. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, this is it. This is it. End of the story. He's sitting in prison. Guard is walking up and down. From within his jacket, he pulls out a flask, hands it to the guard, and says, If you've liked that, I've got more waiting for you. Like, he's got a catchphrase or something that he says. Because I think he's also probably one of the first people to innovate that drug dealing, the first taste is free vibe. So that's his catchphrase. He's just like, have a drink on me, and I guarantee you'll want more. And then just hands it to him, and then takes a sip, and then the last line is like, and then the guard smiled. I (laughs) do want him to have a full Walter White fall from grace yes like he starts out doing this maybe it's because his business isn't so good maybe he thinks i'll just do this to support myself and then he finds out that he likes it and that he is a complete and utter sociopath yes so you're saying we're cutting the secondary character that i would have been playing if this was adapted into a film thanks blake (laughs) thanks for cutting my role there bud i mean you know, at the very end, instead of him going to jail, he could frame his friend in, like, oh, the yeah. ultimate turn of, like, he's gone full dark side at that point. That No, that's halfway point. The halfway point of the story always needs to be your darkest moment for the main character. And that's the moment where his best friend in the entire world, he frames for fucking bootlegging. And he gets away with it because everyone knows that he is just a shy little accountant boy. And then he just continues Scarfacing until he gets arrested. Oh, man. And I, I really like, I love the idea of seeing this kind of progression from... Somebody who does not fit in in this time period or any time period, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but, like, who is in the time where, you know, you've got your uh, big oil tycoons or your railroad moguls and they're, like, the big shots. Yeah. Um, you've got this one small guy who's just a cog in the wheel and he eventually turns out to be, like, rich as all fuck. Yes. It all... Why is it? And I don't know if it's because we know we're making it into a book. Why is it these episodes always have the best fucking ideas? These are always the ones where, like, halfway through, we'll be like, I guess this is an idea. And then halfway, we both make a turn and go, ah, shit. Ah, fuck. I like this, actually. Ah, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I guess we're just bad at the initial pitch. For some reason, when it comes to one of these bottles, like, it feels like you've got a lot of the pit because. 
really, a lot of distillers put some kind of story in, and even though we're not, like, straight ripping off from them, like, it gives us an idea, because this one, this is about crime. It's a whiskey named Larceny, of course. Yeah. And then and so four we're making ro- crime drama. And then Four Roses. It's a story about a guy and a lady with roses. And we were like, okay, well, how can we play with this and turn it on its head? Last episode, we had that one whiskey. We were like, you know what? George Washington and Wendigos. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be the black sheep of this story. The storytelling is the George Washington and Wendigos story. Yeah, I think that one was just like, that one was so, that was off the seat of our pants. That was a classic BS bitch. This one, though, both of these are really fucking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, we know the names. One is A Rose for Jamie uh, throughout the whole thing. And then the other one, what is the name of this one? Do we have a good name for it? Oh, man. <laughs> just the wolf? <laughs> No, the wolf, it's too close to Wolf of Wall Street. I want him to have something like that, though. He needs to have a name, yeah. And it has to be like his Heisenberg. Yeah. The fox, maybe? I want it to be an animal who initially looks very shy, but is actually very deadly. Yeah. The the mongoose! It's the mongoose! The mongoose. Very dangerous creatures, let me tell you. I love the idea of like him being a snake though. So like cottonmouth maybe? Cottonmouth is a good one, although that makes it sound like he's also selling weed. That's true, yeah. <laughs> we need to save cottonmouth for our one where I will say I already know what whiskey I would bring for the story called Cottonmouth and I but there is a whiskey on the shelf right now infused with hemp. There is a weed whiskey out there. Oh, that's good. That's real fucking good. So well, I think maybe we just call him Viper. No, that's no, going a it's little. Too, it, that's too aggressive. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's he's been gone for a while, but Gaster Tussol has finally showed up in chat again, claiming, "What the fuck happened to Scotty?" <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so I'm going to workshop it, but I do like that it's like a, a, a smaller animal, the garter snake. Like, what's a snake that's not initially terrifying, but is actually kind of deadly? Because I keep none, coming none back. None of them. None of them are not initially terrifying. I keep coming back to the mongoose, baby. I just want him to be called the mongoose. It's, it's, yeah. I just don't know why a, why a, like a, um... Why a, why a, uh, I, I don't know why we want it to be an animal name. Like, I don't know why. I know I said it, but I'm like, we can just name it. Okay, we'll figure well, out we something. We call him the Broker. Oh, yes. The Broker. Was that what he was? Was that what it said on the website? I think he was a... Um... <laughs> Let's see, because that's what it's going to be, if it sounds badass like The Broker. Um, he, was in re- he was a treasury agent. The agent. The agent. The agent is the name of this good one, but whiskey um, agent. The whiskey agent. Oh shit, that's very good. Um, we gotta figure out a way to like get away from whiskey. I know they are about whiskey, but we gotta find a way to stray away from stories that all involve whiskey in them in some way. This one I think is intrinsically whiskey, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh, it's like it is the idea of basically, like you said, a drug dealer. Back in Prohibition, which is just, like, 
it's easy peasy. You can do the drug dealer story in this setting so easily with Prohibition. Yes. Castor says the cult of Verbane would like to know your location. <laughs> but Blake Tanner, for right now, what was awesome this week? I mean, that, that inflatable hot tub was pretty cool. The one that you haven't bought yet, and you accidentally hit by it now, and you got very scared for a few seconds? The what? Yeah, the one that I have totally not bought yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that video games has been great. I got to see, like, the... I got to see the last group of people that I hung out with face-to-face before the quarantine. Yeah. Last night, even it, though it was through video chat. And seeing them again was really, really nice because we did get to have like another chat and it's a really fun cast for the show. Yeah. And I love that everybody is still in to do this after everything passes. Yeah. You guys so are I all... love that people are ready. Like people are ready for it to be over, but people are like, we may be going through our own dismay right now, but we know that there's a light on the other end of the tunnel for people that are being safe is there a viable way to do like a live reading and pay like get because there are websites where you can like set up a live stream and people can pay to support it or even set up a patreon you guys could do live readings in this meantime to set up and get money oh i would like that yeah buddy and I'd join, I could do those. I'd come in, we could do the producers. Fucking, I want to be a producer. Yeah, producer. <laughs> oh, yes. I love this idea. Just doing live readings of shit. That would be really, f- I think that's in you guys' wheelhouse. So Yeah, we actually did set, like, we threw around some ideas for, like, we have some connections where we can get reading copies of plays. And we wanted, we started throwing around ideas for a book club. So, yeah. Yeah. Live readings, baby. Get it. Now, but it's Animal Crossing. <laughs> I don't yeah, know I know. what else to tell you about what was awesome this week other than Animal Crossing because, like, it gives a vibe. It's got the – if you want to talk about escapism through a video game, there's no better one than Animal Crossing because, like, you don't always want to escape to a world of, like, angry guns or anything like that. You always want to go to just chill on a fucking island and pay a dirty raccoon a shit ton of money. Like, that's what you're always going to want to do. This is, that's why I play Stardew Valley, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what worried me, is because, like, I played Stardew for a few, and I did love Stardew, but I don't know, I didn't like having to do all the maintenance. Like, I didn't have to, I didn't like watering the plants every day and shit like that. Yes, I know, fuck off, we're different people. It's okay that I can have my own opinion. And so... It's uh, not. <laughs> but in uh, in Animal Crossing, you don't really have to worry too much about watering. Like, I've got a few flowers I'll water here and there, but the majority of your fruit and shit come from trees, and you don't have to fuck around with trees. You just walk over and you're like, oh, oranges. And it's You know, so- the fun thing about Sardi Valley, though, it's the same, the same thing applies for trees. Yeah, but I'm saying I got... I got a tree that's got money on it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> because it's got buckwild shit. And then also, this is, it's not technically seeing them, but our friend Brenna, who I have not seen in years, 
came over, visited my island. It was like hanging out with her again. A uh, gem from Opposite Attractions came over, visited my island. Uh, my buddy Ben, who lives in North Carolina, haven't seen him in ages. Me and him hung out. He's got a magic wand that allows him to turn into a giant can of monster energy drink. It was fucking insane. It's and I will really say, good. it's been a long time since I played. Like, I loved Animal Crossing for a long time. The only reason I haven't gotten it now is because of the new Persona 5 game that released. Mm-hmm. Like, Persona 5 Royal is one of my... It was my game of the year 2017, I think it came out, or came out, or 2018. It's one of the best games I've ever played because it's, like, anime, the video game, but also all that maintenance shit. There's enough of it that I could spend hours just doing it, and it's so fucking good. And that's what I like about Animal Crossing is, like the maintenance shit in a way like there are certain things that i don't dig on and i don't want to do because there are different types of maintenance yeah exactly but for me the fact that i can like go to sleep one day and wake up the next day and i'm like oh fuck the bridge i built is here these three villagers showed up the museum's massive now it's insane yeah i i really need to get into it and i plan on it once i get through persona 5 because at that point what the fuck else am i gonna do now i um I'm sorry, we gotta go to chat right now, because Gaster has brought the idea for next week. Well, actually, post-next week. We're gonna be back in a little bit of housekeeping. Next week is gonna be a best-of episode, because it's episode 150, y'all. And then the following week, we're gonna be doing a one-idea-per-episode kind of vibe. Instead of doing an hour where we slow down for half of it, we're gonna do... 30-minute bursts makes it a little bit more exciting, a little bit more accessible. And let's be honest, it might go to 45 minutes. And But I'm also going to say we're going to be doing audience recommendations for ideas. And Gaster has brought the first one to the table right now. It is BS versus the DM. It's me and Blake going on a quest to find something called the Infinicanter, which is a whiskey decanter that when you pour a single bottle of whiskey in, it'll just always pour that whiskey. Fuck, this is good. We're definitely going to be doing this in two weeks when we come back. I'm so down with it. I can, I'll write a story for it. Fuck it. Hey, what whiskey would you pour in the Infinicanter? Oh, ooh, ooh, toughy, toughy, toughy. I would you either c- pour in the Maker Select, like, really small batch that they do. Yeah. I think it's called Maker's 98, maybe? Because your options are, you could either... Pick a very expensive whiskey. That way you've got a lot of good stuff. Or you could pick your favorite whiskey. It's really a battle. Because for right now, in my mind right now, I'm going, it's either going to be Lagavulin 16 or it's going to be Triple Smoke from Corsair. I don't know which one. Yeah, because I would just pour in a whiskey. I would be more the whiskey I like kind of guy, which is why I went with a Maker's. And, like, their small batch is one of my favorites. Oh, wait a minute. We do need to do something very, very quickly. Um, He's never been on this show or expressed interest in being on this show, but I'm going to call him a friend of the show. Aiden English of the WWE did lose, uh, did get take, uh, I guess, uh, what's the appropriate term? Uh, He was released from his contract. Released from his contract with WWE today. So, Blake, may we give a toast? to Aiden English and pray that he may come on this show one day. So, I just realized I'm giving Aiden English the rest of my angel's envy for this toast. 
But to Aiden English, a whiskey warrior, you're gonna get through this. God, that's good. Not gonna be able to drive home tonight, buddy. You got a you got a couch you can sleep on. Do you still have a bed there? Nope. Oh. You can do like I did when I stayed at your parents' house. Sleep with the dogs. Well, Blakey T, after that lovely toast that's gonna get me a little sloshed tonight, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the Darkroom Vidya on YouTube. That's Darkroom V-I-D-Y-A. If this podcast gets bigger, then we'll actually have to make videos for it. <laughs> um, yeah. And you can also find me on all of the other lovely podcasts on the BS Network. This one, Fight Boys, like I mentioned a minute ago, and of course, Deviant. We're gearing, you're gearing up for that. Did the season finale already release? I mean, you would know, because you would have recorded lines for it. I didn't know if the last one we recorded was the season finale or not, because it was enough of a cliffhanger that it was like... Yeah, no, there's going to be one more episode. It's going to be, the last two episodes had to be delayed by a week. So, or, um, sorry, the last episode had to get delayed by a week, and this one is as well, because quarantine did bad things to my brain, and it caused me to lose creativity points a little bit there. Uh, but, of course, until then, you can find me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Make sure to buy all of my books on Amazon, and we may have something new involving those books coming out soon. I don't know if I want to announce... Ah, oh, fuck it, I'll announce it. We're going to do the BS Book Club. Didn't tell Blake about this either, but we're going to be releasing all of the different uh, tracks from the audiobook for free on a new podcast feed featuring commentary from me about the books and all of the different like little Easter eggs I hid in there. So make sure to look that up whenever I put it up. It's probably going to be out in the next week, the first episode, because we're going to be doing the BS versus the gods audiobook. So you guys can finally hear the story of me and Blake taking on old Grecian gods. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you were going to be giving me more work and I was going to have to come through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you don't have to do any work. This is this is an entirely Scotty based ordeal. So if you want that, you can get it online at a load of pure BS.com. In addition to all of our other pieces of program, including Deviant, like Blake said, including Fight Boys, me again, they're all available there for you to check out at a load of pure BS.com. If you do think there's anything that I would get real jazzed about with the book, because it's been a while since I read it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it, the only thing we'll do is to promote it, it, is us actually making the cocktails from the book and trying them out live on air. Isn't one of mine just whiskey, whiskey, and more whiskey? Or is that, that's Captain Tibbs. That's Captain Tibbs's drink. No, I believe we've got three in the book. One is called The Mistake, and it's literally every type of liquor, sweet and sour, and pineapple juice combined, which I showed to our friend who was a bartender at the time, and she cried openly. Oh, no, mine was the one with the really hot pepper in it, wasn't it? Yes, yours was, uh, I believe I called it the Flaming Bullet, and it was uh, tequila that had habaneros, soaking in it so it infused habanero juice and then i put a sliver of habanero in it so when you took the shot a habanero would shoot in your mouth like a flaming bullet and my favorite line is from the description of how to make it where i just said you could alternately just make a very nice margarita but just don't do this jalapeno margaritas are my favorite margaritas though so and then the last one was i believe my attempt at making a trolley gummy worm into a cocktail and once again, we've tried none of these cocktails in the book, <laughs> so, like, this would be a fun adventure, I think. 
Yeah, because one of them would involve me actually having to buy tequila, which is not my favorite. Oh, no. Well, you could get The Rock's new tequila. This is a very long outro, I'm just realizing. I kind of feel like we just wanted to talk to each other. (laughs) I feel like we've both drank a lot of whiskey tonight. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, uh, oh, wait, fuck, talk about Tom McGuire. (laughs) Special thanks to Tom McGuire and the Brass Holes for our theme song, Ric Flair, off of their album, Tom McGuire and the Brass Holes. Go check out the Brass Holes. We're sorry. On Spotify, <laughs> buy their album on iTunes. Give, give a little sum to our good Scots We're across so the pond. We're so sorry! And remember to support this show, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon, fucking buy a shirt, bitch. <laughs> or just tell... Please, don't tell a friend about this episode, but just, like, as a whole, be like, this is a good show to check out. Tell them to check out after we finish the second pitch, and it'll be fine. Tell them, just be like, hey, they're gonna say what was awesome this week? Cut it off. (laughs) Cut it off right there. And, of course, until next time, remember to find Blake and me on Twitter at a load of pure BS, except no substitutes, and we will see you next week!